The Marching Roundtable is an official media partner of Drum Corps International. This podcast is sponsored by Blue House Mallets, found at bluha.us, B-L-U-E-H-A dot U-S. Blue House makes keyboard percussion mallets for students, educators, and performers. The primary performer collection is designed for years of reliable use in the ORF classroom. The Concert Master Collection is perfect for the developing percussionist. And the Contemporary Artist Collection is a set of premier mallets for a complete range of marimba and vibraphone performance. With models for the classroom to the concert hall, the recording studio to the marching field, Blue House builds exceptional tools for musicians to engage their creativity and express their passion. Build your sound in the finest custom mallet build shop on the web at bluha.us. BlueHA.us. Hey, this is Tim Hinton from the Marching Roundtable Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I am in Arcadia, California, recording live at the Arcadia Music and Art Symposium. And I got to tell you, I'm really excited about this table. This, these guys just did a symposium. Well, what, not a symposium. We just did a session? Uh, panel a, discussion. A panel discussion. Thank you. Caleb Rothy comes to the, to the rescue. And I, I'm going to, well, first we'll say hello. Mike Jackson, how are you, sir? I am great. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Sean Vega, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, John Mapes. I was doing good before I saw these guys, but I'm pretty good. <laughs> now this, so the, the energy of this group is fantastic. And I, I'm going to start by saying I'm going to I'm going to make fun of myself for a minute because I am like not a drummer. I'm not a percussionist. I write drill. I write wind arrangements. So I went into the composing for the battery percussion section and I thought this could be really boring. I'm just going to be honest. I would, and what an idiot I am because it was totally awesome. amazing. Every second of it, I was on the edge of my seat. I took two pages of notes. Um, so if you weren't here, everybody that's listening, you missed it. Next time you need to come to the Arcadia Symposium and see this live, but I'm getting to talk to these guys and we're going to, we're going to recap a couple of the highlights of the topics we discussed. It was really interesting, guys. So as a designer and as an arranger for wins, I was on the edge of my seat. I thought you were awesome. So Mike Jackson, you guys are famous, but anyway, main groups you write for right now. Just explain sort of who you are real quick. Oh, I'm I'm writing for Blue Knights, Drum and Bugle Corps, um, and Broken City, indoor percussion, and my high school Vista Murrieta. Yeah, and you are. We are here in L.A. and there's a show Saturday night. So you're about to head out to go spend some time with the Blue Knights tonight. Uh, no, I'll be with them tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah, I'm taking the night off. Oh, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> All right, Sean Vega, RCC, you've already been on the podcast, so. Yeah, I have, yeah. yeah. So is Mike, actually. Yeah, so I'm just introduced to you myself. Yeah, so yeah, just, just so, RCC and our percussion. That's it. That's all I Yeah, do. well, and a lot, a lot of history. And John Mapes, Chino Hills, Pulse Percussion, Box 6. I'm just doing it for you. Yeah, you're doing it for me. I'm, Sounds good. I'm, we're moving ahead. <laughs> so, so I'm obviously incredibly prepared for this. No, I'm actually really excited to be talking to you guys. Um, such great energy in the conversation we just had. Caleb, you were sort of, uh, you were, what was your title? Yeah, I got to uh, moderate this panel discussion, so I got to go. feed these uh, these guys all the questions today and pick their brains about a couple things. So you're going to help us get keep this going too. Now, one of the conversations, one of the questions you asked, which I loved, is where do they draw inspiration for composing for battery? And what's interesting is these three guys all write at the highest level, incredible um, success with their groups, but they all do it really differently. So um, let's start with Sean. Um, you want to talk about how you do it? Uh, let's, let's do it. 
let's talk about how you, we do I wrote it. down I, that you, you don't want to you don't want to make it sound like a marching drum. Talk about that. Yeah, you know it's it's hard too. Is after just going through this live. Um, yeah, we're sort like of I, recapping for yeah, the people. Yeah, I feel home. like I'm going to steal other people's answers because I we got done with this. So I was just like, man, that is a. I know it's a little weird to be <laughs> having this good. right after. Yeah. I, I know everybody, um, everybody at home, bear yeah. with us. So yeah, I I think that it's always my goal that to to not make it sound like a marching percussion instrument. I think, that, and that's the challenge is. You know, drawing from other disciplines or other sounds, other textures, other percussive instruments or non-percussive instruments to sort of recreate a sound that, again, you wouldn't normally associate with a drum, a snare drum, a tenor drum, a bass drum. So I think that's always the challenge I place upon myself is if I weren't, um, I am limited to these choices, right? I mean, there are a certain orchestration that, that we have, but how do I make it not sound like what you would expect a snare drum to sound like. And that's, it's challenging, um, but I think it's what keeps it fun. It's what keeps it very interesting for me is to draw on other, other source material, other sounds um, to, to, again, just to kind of keep it fresh for myself more than anything else. Yeah. Very interesting. And Mike, you talked about um, trying to make it sound like the human voice. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. I think um, one of the things I mentioned was, I think that's true of any instrument that when we consider it to be at the highest level, if you consider highest level flute playing, violin, guitar, could be anything, um, it's more similar to a human voice when we consider it to be virtuosic. We consider it to be at the, the top level what that instrument is capable of. Um, especially like with a brass instrument, and you're a brass player yourself. If you can get that to speak and emote with the subtlety of the human voice, then that's really something. Um, and then how can I do that with with battery percussion, which is so it's, it's the antithesis of a of a human voice. Um, <laughs> it's uh, and I often joke about that. I the drums as they exist just naturally isn't it's not, it's not a very pleasant sound it's it's abrasive um it can be obnoxious so to try to to try to contour and shape rhythms and textures so that it's it's palatable and it's it's speaking as close to a human voice as possible i think is the it's um it's not always achieved but it's 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 always there as part of the uh the process well, and see, and this is where I felt like a complete idiot going into this thing. And why I'm putting this on tape, I don't know. But because you're, you're, you guys are just, you're writing great music, right? And you happen to have these drums as part of your soundscape to work with. And I guess it's really cool to hear that now, but I didn't think that going in. So that was a big aha for me. I mean, is, do you want to speak to that, John? Well, I mean, my, my answers were a lot more, were a lot different. Than theirs, right. um, and it, it was more based off. I, I I've been working with the same front ensemble guy forever, so we we just really like to challenge each other. And when I'm looking, I guess specifically for the inspiration for the battery parts, I like to make sure the source material's there. I like to make sure there's something exciting um, that I want to write to before we even start. We've all been there before. We've all been in that position where it's like, here's the chart. I'm just not feeling it, and then that completely changes the way. You're going to write, you know, um, 
And we, we like to mix up our, our process. I never want to be stuck in the same thing. I never want to have, well, then you're going to do your thing and I'm going to give me my 30 seconds. And do. We don't want to have a formula and we want to make sure it's organic and fun and back and forth. And we spent a lot of time doing it. And I really get on like the pad and I really like take some time. It takes some days to like feel out some new ideas and concepts. And I like to keep track of what's going on within the activity as well. Just to just be more, you know, the biggest awareness, the better, right? So, Caleb, I've done a clumsy job of carrying this conversation through. How would you put this all together and make sense of it? Well, I think what I heard from all three of these gentlemen was that they don't – the fact that it's not a melodic instrument per se that can play a traditional scale does not deter them from treating it as a musical instrument and treating it as just another voice within their ensemble. Um, I think anybody that that composes music has something that they want to say, something they want to put out there into the world – and it doesn't matter what instrument or what device you're using to that, you can communicate whatever it is that you have to say. Um, I, I took a lot of inspiration from all three of these guys saying that they're influenced by uh, different music that they like listening to and that they want to incorporate those feelings and those emotions through the instruments that they have at their disposal. Um, and I also really like what, what Mike and Sean both said about um, emulating um human voice or emulating other instruments that are very familiar to us through their vocabulary and through their writing style on these instruments. Right. So if somebody's a young writer and they're trying to figure out how to do this, like how do you, how do they, how do you figure out how to do that? It seems incredibly hard to me to make a snare drum sound like a human voice. I know you guys are doing it, but like how, how, how do people work on that? I think you have to go to the school that teaches that, that college, you know, the marching drum college, which <laughs> doesn't exist yeah um thank yeah. you sean no that. yeah no, it, listen, i mean it is I, I refer to this a lot when i do speaking engagements it's tribal knowledge you know there is no you know real curriculum that is established anywhere to teach someone how to write within pageantry and especially in you know again we we all live in different idioms within pageantry whether it be drum corps and marching band and indoor drum line but it's really all the same i mean we're drawing from Again, tribal knowledge of people that have done it and done it well, and we draw from that influence and then trying to add other disciplines. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't do this necessarily for a living, so I don't know how I would begin to tell someone that has no experience in writing for a battery where to start because it is it is based off of, again, just myself being in drum corps, being around very influential designers that – Again, not just drawing just from battery writing, but from all the amazing people that I've been I've been very fortunate to be mentored by that have shaped the way that I what I do now and and more importantly, just because I I mean I love it. I mean I'm just so passionate about it. It's just it is my it's my golf. I don't do this for a living. I, I don't I, my hobby, my passion is really um this. So I, I don't know. I guess I I I long winded way of saying i don't know how to tell someone how to i think there's a there's a a punk rock element to it too and you think about um the curriculum that's available for all the other disciplines um and battery is is like this this world where you can just be the ramones if you wanted to and you can express with things that aren't in the rule book and you can not not follow traditional uh, curriculum of, of any other discipline. I, and I, I, I say this just relative to battery, not necessarily percussion in general, not, certainly not uh, melodic percussion. 
but it it sounds like you know and sean is so eloquent in his presentation but like you could wrap that up in like this this punk rock attitude that it's it's uh expression and that there is no school that you can go to to learn how to be the ramones um you just do it and you figure it out and you mess up and you make a lot of mistakes and uh it, you experiment experiment and i think it's interesting i've i've talked to people about this before that, that battery writing is like a back door like a cheat into composition any composition because um, you can literally be 19 years old and be writing for the high school you graduated from um, without too much effort. And you have, you know, 14 kids standing in front of you playing your music. Where else can you get that? I mean, if you're writing for, for string quartets, you know, good luck. <laughs> good luck having access, yeah. having that kind of access yeah. to, to, have people play your music um, on your timeline. Right. It's, it's special. Right. Well, I mean, just to try to, the, the question is, what do you say to uh, someone new? Some, or someone you who's know, someone's fairly starting, new. Fairly new. I don't, yeah. I don't think you say your goal is to make the marching percussion sound like a human voice. Like that's not the starting point. <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's an incredible um, place to be. You know, this room has a lot of experience and it's really cool to hear everybody talk about right. their processes. But when you go to school for music and you, like, if you start a music theory, there's a lot of rules because you have to, you do have to learn. There's certain things you do have to learn, but then once you kind of get through that, in the beginning stages, you learn quickly. There's actually no rules and you can do anything you want. And that's where some, some of the magic happens. Right. But you really shouldn't break the rules until you know the rules a little bit. Yeah. I would say it's a good place to does start. Does that apply less to, I guess that applies less to percussion than it does to like. I think it applies yeah. less to battery. Battery. Yeah. Yes. Not necessarily percussion. Right. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, I, I would, I would have to, I guess, disagree with that. Like, I don't think you have to know the rules right. in order to break them in the context of battery. And that's not saying that that's a good idea, <laughs> well, you know, but, but it is possible. I would say the rules are probably less codified for battery composition right. than they are many other disciplines within music composition. And, and certainly in the indoor activity where you're not a part of a much larger score, mm. right? where you mm. have, when, when, there's a wind ensemble. Well, you, you might want to know, you know, what you're doing and how that relates to what the wind score is or what validity you're adding to the music based off of some of these, some of these, you know, rules of music, probably a little more important there than it would be just you just got a percussion section and you know, so I, I think right. I guess cool. I was it's thinking, I was thinking yeah. like marching yeah. band, like right. I'm picturing the young kid who just graduated and, and there are some rules to making sure you set up the music sure. and have, yeah. When there's a flute solo, don't make it a snare solo as well. Right. You know, well, or maybe you do. <laughs> Not <laughs> if you're yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So what's interesting to me is you guys during this, during the, the, Presentation. I can't remember what to call it now. Anyway, you talked about there is a long history of marching percussion that you all are drawing on and have learned from and watched. But do you guys feel like there you you're in the when you're talking about composing for battery, you probably have the the most freedom, the least amount of rules. Like, is that what does that feel like? Do you get giddy with that, or is it terrifying? I, man, it's it's weird because I I feel like the well, it's it's contextual that if you're talking about drum corps or independent world um, indoor, it's uh, I feel like we have a lot of rules 
as in, uh, and we, Sean and I have talked about this before, that we're, we almost, we have to do a show. We have to do a presentation. We have to do something that, that, communi- that can communicate to the audience and touch people. But at the same time, you're making a commercial for next year. <laughs> as much as you don't want to admit it, that's, your, that's what you're doing. Is you're, you're creating that, uh, you're, you're, you're trying to get that longevity. You're trying to make sure that it's, it's, a, it's not a one and done. It's, it's, a, it's a dynasty that you're creating. And uh, that element, that commercial element, is that weighs heavy on me. I know uh, Sean and I have talked about this before. That there's a lot of rules in there. And you don't write certain things or put you know certain ingredients in that presentation, and it could affect who shows up at your auditions. So it's not a hundred percent freedom. Yeah. So you're talking about sort of like the brand. Or the style or the identity of It's just your keeping your finger on the pulse of the kids. They're the ones they're not pawns, you know, they're human beings and they want they want to get something out of what you're doing and they're obviously attracted to your particular organization. They identify with it and so you wanna you wanna deliver at the same time you wanna have that that sense of composition, like you are the composer, you're not beholding to them. Uh, beholden to them um, with every single element, but it's there. I think that's that's the biggest rule that I feel is that I got to make sure this thing happens again. Right, and that's um, and that's obviously we're talking more about independent groups and drum corps than we are like schools. Sure, of course, school, yeah. of course. Not recruiting necessarily based on your style, but exactly. we have the three exactly. of you at the highest level of these independent groups sitting here in the room, and so that is a really interesting. I don't think most people would think that you would have to worry about that at all. So I'm fascinated that you're bringing that up. Yeah. Well, especially, I mean, here in Southern California, these three ensembles are within one hour of each other. So, you know, you don't want to get too out there or like you want to you know there's a, there's a certain, I don't know if cool factor is the right term, but you want to make sure, you know, that your members feel cool and, they're, and they, they enjoy what they're playing, you know, because if they don't, there's other options, right? Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's funny. I were kind of veering off the, the actual question, but, um, when I was at uh, Mission Viejo for all those years, I felt like this sense of freedom. I'm sure you feel it with Channel. You can literally do anything you want, and you'll have kids the following year. You mean um, like in a high school situation? Yeah, and it, I think Ike Ike experienced that with with Ayala, where he's able to be super experimental, and some of it, arguably, I mean, I don't know if you could pull that off in an independent world because. Some of that stuff is like, Deterrent. whoa, Could be you know what I mean? Yeah. But but that's what makes the scholastic part of what we do so amazing and so beautiful. That's why it has to exist. You got to have both. You got to have yeah. that that yeah. major league like you know MLB approach of the independent world. But there's something beautiful about the scholastic realm where you can basically do whatever you want and you get to experiment and try things out and it's 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 cool. But I, it would it would bother me if I took that that one hundred percent approach to independent. It'd be a little oof. Right, it's just another factor. Yeah, you know. Yeah. 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 You've you've talked about before, like at the high school, if you show up and we're, oh tonight we're working on this guy, it's no big deal. Like maybe go home. But the independent, like these guys have driven eight hours to exactly. Consider. Like yeah. oh, we're not doing anything tonight. There's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more things to consider. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was I was also I mean a complete left turn here, but I was thinking about as a as a young designer, I did, going back to the sort of formative days for me. I remember the big thing I always think about is, and I used to be somewhat overwhelmed with at times, is that with marching percussion, you have an almost infinite amount of choices to put into space. Where just because I mean those types of instruments, uh, by virtue of how articulate they are. And the types of implements and the way they play is like you've got all the way up to like 128th notes that you can shove into space. So there's just a degree of math involved in the way you write that just becomes like, man, I could when it's when it, when you're looking at white space, you're like, man, okay, where do I start? I think that's the hardest part. And, and Mike was talking about this earlier today, talking thinking more of just the expression of what's going on musically, like the pacing and, and where you're going with the line of music, but I do remember at, at an early sort of time period at a, at a young age, that's where I was always like, man, I, on this one bar, I can go from putting one note in there to a thousand, you know, based off of just what you're dealing with. That's not necessarily the case with a piccolo, you know? Oh no. You know? When I write for winds, there's lots of rules and, and restrictions. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. That's such interesting. See, now, again, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. That's really interesting. Because I would think that that freedom would be really exciting, but I can totally see how it could be paralyzing, too. Oh, I mean, it is now. Now it's like, I, I look at it more of a function of like, man, I wish I had more colors, right? And some of these rule changes with the WGI, are, are, I, I love that we're, we're getting more, more to play with. And I want rules to change even more. I want more to play with now that I'm looking programmatically over the, you know, as far as the entire production but from just from a purely from a battery standpoint, it is it is something that I really enjoy now. Is that it, is the the infinite amount of choice within within that space to do whatever it is I want is very gratifying. It is awesome. But I get, at an early age, I know that was it was daunting. It was like, man, okay, my choices are going to be presented to the world. It's kind of like what Mike's saying is, I was I was eighteen and writing for my high school and. Really, not knowing what I'm doing and just experimenting, and then just being, you know, scrutinized. And you have judges, and you have your audience, you have your band director, and the, whoever did the win book, and they're they're all they're all jumping on you to make different choices. And it, it really is just like, well, it's fake it till you make it a little bit, you know, which is kind of crazy. But over time, it becomes very liberating. It's awesome that you have that much choice within space. I guess is how I look at it. Well, and, and I, all right, so you talked a lot in the the session I just listened to, which was really interesting about how you're, you're approaching it so musically, you know, um, Mike, you said a lot about that, you know, like I'm trying to, interp- I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sort of seemed like the idea was, um, is all about the music. And that's what I was liked so much about listening to it was, well, it's all about the music. So is that one way that a young writer can figure out what to write is what's just, what's appropriate for the music. Is that I, a way to restrict yourself or guide yourself? I think it's all about the expression because it's yeah, that's it's almost like the it. music, especially at this point. Like if we're if we're staying in the in the realm of indoor, um, it's it's not something that you can say is is uh, would fit into like a, a collegiate curriculum of you know this is educational. Like is it educational putting on an indoor show? And it, it's like well, not maybe not in that context. So that the the expression is what's important. Like Sean brought this up in the in the um, in the talk earlier, that you know the the kids are doing more than just playing music. It's it's visual. It's presence. It's uh, 
its portrayal. It's some of them are are they're it's some of them are are actually being truthful and genuine in their in their uh, in their portrayal of what of what they've been given. They they're making it their own. They're owning it. It's not they're not just playing the notes on the page. Um, so it I like to keep things in that universe of expression because expression transcends music it's it's everything and that's what's so great about the activity is that it's not just it's not just this musical thing it's it's an expression thing and it expresses on every level it expresses on the level of the performer um it expresses on the level of the composer the people putting it together um that that's no that's a really that really clarifies what i was stumbling trying to say that's really good caleb do you want to speak to that at all uh, no, other than, I mean, I think Mike hit the nail on the head here, and I think all three of these guys would say the same thing about um, expression being so important to writing for this family of instruments. Um, and I think that's true. You know, whenever you're writing anything for any instrument, that should be the ultimate goal. You have a unique opportunity to do so with percussion instruments through these activities that we love. Um, and that, you know, to kind of circle back to your original point, you were talking about how somebody could get started in this whole activity. I think a couple of those things that these guys shared about pursuing uh, expression through these vehicles and thinking about your limitless choices and figuring out which of those do I want to try and experiment with right now and then receiving feedback. Those are all great suggestions on how to get started with this and how to have your composition and your work be something more than just the rhythms that you've passed out to your students to play. Yeah, that's great. So, all right, so final thoughts from in, from you guys on this stuff. Anybody want to just... Like we're talking about composing for battery, somebody that's just getting going, first few years of writing. Fine. What would you say, John? I'll go to you first. Final thoughts you would say yeah. to them? Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about this recently. I was just talking at another clinic, and um, when I first, I had, I had a lot of musical experience before I really started writing for battery. I, I was a music major, and I was in bands, and I was doing all these things. But when I started writing for battery percussion, I thought about it completely differently. I thought about it. It's just well, this is marching drums. And I kind of threw away all of my musical experience that I'd had at that point and just started writing the way I assumed I was supposed to write. It didn't work out very well. Hmm. <laughs> you know, it was like a lot of feedback was, this is not good. And I knew it wasn't good. This doesn't sound good. I just felt like there was a certain way I had to write rudimental drumming. And as soon as I realized, wait a minute, hold on, I should back up and think about like, well, what's it like to play drum set in a band? Like, what's it like to play drum set in you know, a jazz band? It's a completely different role in the way I think about a snare drummer's role. Um, so early on for me, it was about thinking, let me make sure I'm setting up the music. Let me, I have a lot of freedom in certain spots, but then other spots like setting up hits and expression leading into phrases and all those things, setting up the next style, um, using basically all the information I kind of already knew and applying it to marching percussion is sort of the thing that I was doing. And I think a lot of young people are doing that. Like they're in concert bands, they're in jazz bands, they're, they're learning these skills. But a lot of us put that away and start almost from scratch. Like, okay, pull out the pad. Here we go. How many notes can we fit in that space? You know? So maybe that is a good tip or something. No, I mean, that's great. That's sort of what I was trying to say about the, you know, being musical because you guys clearly so, so clearly are. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's weird to say be musical. Cause like, I'm not sure. I know what that means, or anybody can actually define that. But I, I mean, I know what you're, I know what you're getting at. So it's, it's you know, if I had one thing of advice um, 
I, I think John said it well with the like he's always known these things, but he didn't apply it to battery. Like we we think that there's some other set of rules that we have to do, some compulsories. Um, I I like thinking about the analogy of um, like the weight room, like the the gym, um, where you know you're doing your pull-ups and your bench presses and your and your and your flies and whatnot. Um, don't make your compositions just things that you would do at the gym. Like we go to the gym to train and and to build strength to do the other thing. Like if you're a baseball player, you you have a certain workout regimen. Um, you don't actually do push-ups and and run laps and do bench presses during the baseball game. You have the beautiful art form of a double play um, or fielding a ground ball. And to stay focused on those things as you're composing for any instrument, but especially battery seems to be the, the one place where we fall into the trap where you'll watch some battery books and it's like you're, you're watching people work out at the gym. Here's how many pull-ups I can do and here's how many bench presses I can do. Try to try to get out of that trap as quickly as possible. Yeah, what a great analogy, Sean. Any you know thoughts of advice in closing? Yeah. You're going to okay. get the final yeah. word. I final word. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know I, I like what what John was saying. I, I think that there is an element of making sure that you're focused on whatever it is you're doing that, to think of the overall composition, not just the elements that you're writing for. And I think that you find young writers that they fall into the trap of like okay i'm gonna make this like the entire thing the coolest thing all the time and it's like sometimes that's not adding any validity to the overall composition so you're much like a drum set player and and again i'm a huge Vinny caluta fan he talks about this like i want to make sure that whatever i'm doing i have the ability to shove in a million notes at any point in time but is that is that valid is that important is that going to add anything am i taking away from what's actually being said by the overall composition. So I think starting there, making sure that your job first and foremost is to add validity to the overall composition. And at moments when you have the space and freedom to like be a little more virtuosic, take a little more chance, risk, put in a billion notes into that one bar, then, you know, feel free to experiment with that. But your job first and foremost is to make sure that it is coherent and valid within the overall composition. Wow. Fantastic. You guys are so smart. Thank you. Thank you for what you do for the activity and for taking time to talk with me. And I got to tell you, I loved your presentation. So um, thank you for taking time to talk. Yeah, really helpful. Watch for an entire series of podcasts recorded live here at the Arcadia Music and Arts Symposium. Some will be released this weekend while the event's going on, and then many more all throughout the summer. This is Tim Hinton from the Marching Roundtable. I'm so appreciative they asked me to be here to do these interviews, talk to these great educators, designers, instructors, really movers and shakers in our activity. Of course, this is just a snippet of the great information, so I encourage you to consider trying to be here live in the future. You can interact, make connections. It's a great environment. Go to arcadiasymposium.com to find out more, and watch for these podcasts all throughout the summer. <laughs>